Good morning. All right, let's try that like if it would be fall, uh, fall backward Sunday, okay? Good morning. That's a little bit better. <laughs> um, well, hey, I want to ask you, invite you to open up your Bibles to John chapter 15. Um, we're going to be going through that quite a bit this morning, so um, I will have the text on the screen, um, but it will be, but it'll be even more helpful if you can follow along this morning. Hey, just a couple uh, important announcements I forgot. First of all, we are going to be needing candy donations for those Easter eggs. Um, you can start bringing some candy donations, just individually wrapped things, of course, that we can put eggs. We can't put candy bars in eggs, okay? So just individually wrapped candies. Um, you can place those in the office. I also want to say hello to Darla, Danielle, and Doris. Everybody, if their name's with a D, they're watching us on Facebook this morning. Uh, Judy Wright, good morning. Everybody that's with us through Facebook, uh, Danielle said she's joining us from Virginia this morning. And also to everyone else, want to wish a very happy birthday to the one and only Marsha Lindsay this morning. So happy birthday, Marsha. Uh, I told her she doesn't have to share how old she is, but I'll look it up and tell all of you guys later, okay? Um, so again, we'd ask you to, uh, to go to your Bibles in John 15. We have been um, going through a series through the book of John as we prepare for Easter. Every year since 2013, that's what we've done. We've gone through a gospel and got to the end, to the crucifixion, to the resurrection, and celebrated Easter together. And this year we've been going through the book of John and some selected readings, not, not verse by verse. But today we're going to find ourselves um, in a metaphor that Jesus is using. Last week, we talked about washing feet and the metaphor that Jesus used there. And so you've got to find, these can't just be words on a page for you this morning. You've got to find yourself in this story. Okay, you've you, you got to see what the Lord is speaking to you through these moments, through these experiences. So I want to encourage you to find yourself in this story this morning. These are Jesus's last moments. These are some of the last things he's ever going to say. These are his last words, and he uses the illustration of a gardener. He uses the illustration in John 15 of a vine. So I know we got lots of gardeners in our church. How many of you are gardeners here in our church? So that's almost 50, uh, well, okay, I'm going to do a, a more official poll, and I think we're pretty close to 50%. So you ought to be able to understand this illustration really well in John chapter 15. There was a dad that was getting, and dad was getting really, really old, and he loved the garden. Uh, his son used to help him, but unfortunately his son was now serving a, a sentence in prison. And so he sent his son a, a letter. He said, son, I'm so sorry. I'm just, I'm just really bummed. I'm just not going to be able to do the garden this year. I've been thinking about you a lot, and I just can't get, you know, my body in shape to where I can dig all of those holes for the tomato plants this year. And uh, the son said, dad, don't do any digging, okay? All the bodies are right there in the garden. So the next day, the father hung up the phone right away. He called the police. The next day, four at four o'clock a.m., they're 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 there. They're pulling up. Uh, they're 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 pulling up all the the dirt. They're pulling up all the dirt in the garden, and and they couldn't find any bodies at all. The son gave his dad a call the next day. He said, "Dad, that's the best I could do for you given the circumstances this year." You can go ahead and plant those tomato plants now. <laughs> good kid, right? Sometimes we need to have a good, a good son in prison still taking care of his dad. Well, we're going to be 
talking about this illustration this morning of, of gardening and pruning and something remaining in the vine. So I want to walk you through this, and today's, the title of today's message is simply Abide. Uh, your, your NIV may have the word remain uh, in the Greek, or ex- excuse me, a lot of the older versions, and a, perhaps a better translation uh, might, in the Greek might be the word abide. But let's begin with a word of prayer as we get into this text this morning. Lord, thank you for your word. Today, in a, in a day when I know many are just a little bit sleepier than usual, a little bit more tired than usual, your word isn't going to be one maybe that's going to knock us off our seats, but it's going to be remind us that you are here, that you are always calling us home, and that when we are weary and when we are tired, <laughs> you're the living God that is ready to do a lot of the work. Our call is as simple as remaining in you, abiding in you, staying in you, waiting in you, finding our identity first in you. Today, with this word, may all across this church there be a a, a recommissioning, but as well as a sense of relief. The Spirit of God does the work in my life when I remain in him. We invite you to do a work in us this morning, Lord. In Jesus' name we pray. Amen. So I'm going to go through the the text. We're going to read through together John 15, and I'm going to go kind of verse by verse here this morning. So this will feel a lot more like a Bible study. So that's why it would be nice if you could open up your Bibles, but the text will be there on the screen. Uh, We're going to go John 15 through verse 1 through verse 17. And so first off, I want to get right here into verse 1. John 15, verse 1, he says that I am the true vine, and my Father is the gardener. I am the true vine, and my Father is the gardener. So there's some Trinitarian theology there, okay? Who is the vine? Okay, we got three people of the Trinity, right? We're going to get to the third one later. Who's the vine? Second person of the Trinity, what what do we call it? The greatest name that is above all names? There you go, okay? That's the, that is the vine, correct? Who is the gardener? Trinitarian theology here. God, okay? Father God is the gardener. Jesus is the vine, okay? People, we we see the Trinity, the the Trinity, Jesus never sat down with his disciples and said, okay, come here, boys, sit down, we'll tell you about the Trinity, okay? He never did that in all of Scripture, Okay, but we see this throughout different patterns. We see this in different texts. This is just one of many right here. We see Jesus talking about the different personalities uh, of God. So uh, I, I am the vine and the father is the gardener. And here's verse two. It says he cuts off every branch in me that bears no fruit. While every branch that does bear fruit, he prunes so that it will be even more fruitful. He cuts off. Who is he referring to? God the Father. Very good. Thank you, Nick. Nick's getting the theology of the Trinity. Okay? Those that, don't, that, that do bear fruit, he prunes. So wait a second. He cuts off those who do not bear fruit, and those that he does bear fruit, he prunes. Anybody do any pruning on your vines? Any gardeners do any pruning on your vines? What, do you, what tool do you use to do the pruning? That sounds like cutting to me. Dad, got it. So it says, 
if you don't get pruned, if you don't bear any fruit, you're going to get cut. And if you do get fruit, you do bear fruit, then you're going to get cut too. That's the promise that the Lord is making to us in Scripture right here. That there's going to be some cutting taking place in your life. He's either going to have to cut some things off, or he's going to have to do some pruning in your life. Now, in the Greek, cut off can actually mean uh, lifting up as well. But there's this thing that dead wood, those of you who understand this, there's the dead wood there ca- can cause disease and decay in the whole vine, in the whole plant. So, the, so basically, this is, this, is a, this is like the classic verse in all of Scripture about the discipline of the Lord. Now, did you, did you ever have parents that, how many of you, I think I've asked this question a long time ago, and it's okay, um, we're not going to call Children's Protective Services or anything for things that happened in the past, but how many of you, your, your parents used a switch? Did your parents use a switch on you? Congratulations, okay? Yeah, now, see, see your, did your parents ever tell you how much they loved you while they were doing that? You don't understand how much I love you. That's why I'm doing this to you right now. That's basically what's happening, what the Lord is saying to us in this text. That I'm going to discipline you. I'm going to do some things in your life that are going to be a little bit uncomfortable. But it's so that you will bear fruit. So that you will be productive. Now, verse 3. He says it again. He says again what we talked about last week. He says, you are already clean because of the world I have spoke because excuse me because of the word not the world because of the word I have spoken to you you are already clean because of the word I have spoken to you now we have a hard time this brings up a discussion that I know I've had often too I was talking to someone this week that was really wrestling with this the difference between conviction and condemnation. I feel like I've told this enough that many of you should understand these two by now. Condemnation is that thing that we have where we tell ourselves we're failures. We tell ourselves that we're never enough. We, we tell ourselves that God doesn't want me. We punish ourselves with our words and our distorted thoughts, and we continue to beat ourselves up. That is not the spirit of God. I want you to discern soul and spirit here with me. That is not the spirit of God. That's actually the language that, that the enemy uses, the powers and principalities that go against the living God. That's the kind of language that he uses to keep you away from God, to keep you from ever producing fruit. Now, there's something very similar that we get confused. We confuse the two, and it's called conviction. Conviction. You know, I, I talked to someone this week and asked them, hey, so what are the things that what are the things that you, feel, that you feel like God wants from you? He listed about four things, like reading scripture, um, like being evangelistic, like having some joy and, and having a prayerful life. And then he goes on to tell me all the things that he was not doing, how horrible he was at those things. But if we take another second, we could take a step back. Well, didn't you pray the other day? Didn't you pray just now? We could find areas where the Lord was actually working in those life. He chose condemnation, but conviction actually works where the Lord is calling you to something more. You don't feel as much. You don't feel as much bad about it as much as you're excited that the Lord wants to do a work. You can celebrate that. Hey, I got this thing going on that the Lord is dealing with, and I'm excited because He is working in me. 
These two words, we can, get, we can get these two things really confused. Some of us walk in condemnation, but the Lord wants to allow the conviction, the work of the Holy Spirit in your life that leads you to him and lets him do a work in you. And that's how Jesus can say, you're already clean, but you're going to get convicted at times. You're going to realize that there's some more work that needs to be done, and you need to allow me to do that work in your life. And here's the key word in verse 4. It says, remain in me as I also remain in you. No branch can bear fruit by itself. It must remain in the vine. Neither can you bear fruit unless you remain in me. So the key word there in your NIV is the word remain. And in a lot of other Old Testament, or excuse me, older versions, you'll, you'll see the word abide in me. Um, in Greek, it's the word minnow, and it has very similar uh, words that, that stay there to, to say stay, to wait. And I wonder, when you read that passage, you know, this is Jesus giving us a metaphor to try to understand the work that he's doing in our life. Do you have the question, well, how do I know whether I'm in or whether I'm out? Am I in the vine or not? Am I out of the vine? I don't, I don't know. I mean, where, where's the, is there, is there a test I can take or something to find out whether I'm in the vine or I'm out of the vine? Am I remaining? Am I staying? Am I waiting in him? A pretty good illustration I could give you for that is simply put, we have to be reminded that the living God, Christ, his son, is relational with us. And the, the most common relationship that is a parallel in Scripture, of course, you see father-son, but when it comes to Christ and his church is the marriage relationship. So now let's think about your marriage relationship. Are you still talking in your marriage? Are both parties still speaking to each other? Are you still speaking to the Lord and is he responding to you? And oftentimes our issue with responding is a very important piece in our marriage relationships. Are you listening? Are you paying attention to what he is saying? And some of you might have to take it a step further. You're still living in the same house. I mean, you know, everybody, everybody can tell the, the stories about the good old days back when we met and the way things used to be. But, but the Lord, when he says, remain in me, what is happening now at this moment in your relationship? Are you remaining in this relationship? Is this relationship still happening? And you should be able to say this about your marriage as well. Is this the most important relationship in my life? This is remaining in him. Remaining in him. See, I was talking to another person that said that I just want to, sometimes I just want to know how it all ends and they were referring to a relationship. Want to know how it all ends, and they were referring to a relationship. No, you don't. <laughs> you don't really want to know how it all ends. I mean, because ultimately how it's always going to end is somebody's going to die, right? I mean, that's, that's most likely going to happen. And 
sure, and you also don't want to know that there's going to be some conflict along the way and that things are going to get tough, but things are going to get really good too. So really, at the end of the day, you must embrace this moment, this mystery in this moment in your marriage relationship, but more importantly today, in the living God having a relationship with you right now. Remain in this relationship. Stay in it because this is the moment. These are the moments that matter. This is not about a linear path. It is about right now with you and the Lord. The work that he wants to do now, the pruning he wants to do right now and possibly the things that he needs to cut off. Bruce Wilkinson wrote a book about 15 years ago called The Secrets of the Vine. And so without asking you to read the book, I'm going to give you the three key points that he says about this passage. He says, if your life consistently bears no fruit, God will intervene to discipline you. If your life bears some fruit, God will intervene to prune you. And if your life bears a lot of fruit, God will ask you to abide more deeply with him. Now, verse 5 says the same thing then as verse 4. He says, he says, I am the vine and you are the branches. If you remain in me and I in you, you will bear much fruit. And apart from me, you can do nothing. And so now I want to go to verse 6. And it says in verse 6, it gets a little bit more scarier here because we talk, talk about flames. It says, if you do not remain in me, you are like a branch that is thrown away and withers. Such branches are picked up, thrown into the fire, and burned. Now, in evangelistic churches, we like to go really quickly with this metaphor. It's like, oh, he's talking about hell now. Yeah, if we don't remain in the vine... We're going to go to hell. And you can do that with this metaphor, but let's remember this is a metaphor. But what's happening is whether, like we talked about before, you're going to get cut either way. He's either going to prune you or he's going to cut some things off. There are some worthless things in your life that if you remain in a relationship with the living God, he is going to remove some of those worthless things from your life. It's actually a rewarding experience. The things that you thought had a lot of value, many of you know in this church, as you get a little bit older, the things that you thought were really important just aren't that important anymore. And the living God comes and removes some of those worthless things and throws them into the fire. See, this is actually something encouraging for those that that remain in the vine. He removes this stuff. The Lord wants to cut some of that stuff off, and so... If we decide to remain in the vine, verse 7, here's what it says. If you remain in me and my words remain in you, ask whatever you wish and it will be done for you. See, there's, Nick's got that slide up. He's doing a great job. There's four words here in this whole passage, 15, 1 through 17, that Jesus tells us to do, his requests of us. The first one is remain. That's 10 times in this passage. John 15, 1 through 17. The second one we just read in verse 7 is the word ask. We see this a couple times, and there are other verses in the Bible that are similar. We have to take this text in context, though, because I've been a part of charismatic churches and charismatic circles that do a lot of really nasty, or excuse me, not nasty, a little... um, uh, heretical kind of things with this text that like, well, you just, if you're a Christian, you, <coughs> excuse me, <coughs> you ask whatever you would like and God's going to give it to you. I want a new car. God's going to give me a new car. Okay. I want a new house. God's going to give me a new house. Okay. 
Uh, you ask, I want a new job. God's going to give me a new job. I want a new pastor. God's going to, no, come on, don't ask him for that, okay? Now, now that's what happens uh, in, in some of these circles that think, oh, this is just a green light. We can ask for whatever we want. But pay attention to what he's saying in this whole passage, in the whole context of this text. If you remain in me and I'm cutting worthless stuff off of you, and you begin to ask me for the things that I want for you, he's not going to give you this worthless stuff that he's just going to have to cut off again because that's dead stuff. It's not fruit. When we begin to align ourselves with his word, we begin to align ourselves with what he wants for us, we can begin to pray for the things that he wants for us, and congratulations, it's yours. Let's be careful what we pray for. Joy, that's a pretty good thing to pray for. Patience, not as much. Good luck with that one. What may come next in your life, the Lord's going to give you an opportunity to have some patience. Lord, give me uh, more of a burden for others. The Lord will reward that request. So what this is all about is is remaining in the vine and God giving us what he wants for us because we are abiding in him and beginning to want the same things that he wants. And then verse 8. He says, this is to my Father's glory that you bear much fruit, showing yourselves to be my disciples. In verse 9, as the Father has loved me, so I have loved you. Now remain in my love. It is through remaining in the vine and the fruit that we bear that we reveal that we are Christ's followers and are his disciples. Now verse 10, if you keep my commands, the Greek word is tereo, keep. It's just one time in this text means to watch over, to guard. He says, if you keep my commands, you will remain in my love. Just as I have kept my father's commands and remain in his love. So the Lord is continuing to show a model from his relationship with the father and now asking that you would have the same relationship with me. He tells us to keep his commands, to watch over them, to guard them, to obey them, and to protect them. I've shared before one of my favorite scriptures, the word of God is living and active, sharper than any double-edged sword. So I'm not talking about holding on to your Bible and keeping it a safe place in your house. I'm talking about what's right here, what it is that you know, having an internal compass that guides and governs everything that you do, to have, to keep his commands, to guard them, to watch over them. And to allow the word of God to be alive in you. Now verse 11. I have told you this so that my joy may be complete in you. And that your joy may be complete. Now he's talking about joy. Christ is wanting you to experience true joy in your life. The kind of joy that does not go away every time circumstances change. And he's saying, watch what happens when you remain in me. Things around you are going to change. Your environment's going to change. Your your body is even going to change. Things that are going on in your life are going to change. People are going to get older. Times are going to change. But your joy can remain the same as you stay and remain in me and be reminded of who you are. Verses 12 through 13, the third word we see that he, he gives us. And asks us to do in this text. My command is this. Love each other as I have loved you. Greater love has no one than this. To lay down one's life 
for one's friends. That's the premier text of the word agape, premier text in all of Scripture. Because Jesus uses the word agape, which is his favorite Greek word for love to use. I'm saying this because throughout Scripture in English, we always translate the word love. But in Scripture, especially the Old Testament, love is mentioned in many different contexts. There's different words, and, and, and this agape isn't even a good translation for what we see. Love might not even be a good translation. But when we see agape, that means sacrificial love. And right here in this text, that's exactly what Jesus is referring to. Greater love as no one than this, than he laid down his life for his what, did he say? Friends. Let me read verses 14 and 15. You are my friends. If you do what I command, you are my friends if you do what I command. I no longer call you my servants because a servant does not know his master's business. Instead, I have called you friends for everything that I learned from the Father, I have made known to you. To me, this was the most profound part of this whole text. Jesus just says something profound in saying, love each other, agape each other as I have loved you. He's telling them he's going to lay down his life. They don't understand that yet. They're sitting in a room and they don't understand it yet. But he's also saying, because which was literally true for all of his disciples, they would eventually be laying his life down. They would be eventually laying their life down as well. Okay, That's not even the profound part. What the Lord is saying is that you're not just my disciples anymore. Or excuse me, you're not just my servants anymore. You're even not even just my disciples anymore. You are my friends. And what is the thing that he says? Because a friend understands his master's business. It's like these are like the things that they're saying in the inner room. The last thing that Jesus is saying to his disciples. Before they even completely understand what's getting ready to happen next. He's saying, you understand what I'm doing here. I'm not just sending you out like many Christians think. Obey these words and you're going to be fine. Say this prayer and you're going to go to heaven. Do these things and you'll be religious, cute, holy person. And everyone, most of the time you're going to live your life as a hypocrite. That's not what Jesus is saying. He's saying, you understand my business. You understand who I am. I have let you, I have torn the veil. I've let you into the inner circle. You know all of what I'm about. You are my friend. Now go and love as I have loved. These are the inner room, inner circle kinds of things that the Lord is saying to his disciples. He says the same things to you and I this morning. Don't just do it because I tell you. He wants you to know why. The Lord longs for you to sense his burden for this world and his creation. But as the text reads, he also wants you to experience his love, to experience his joy. It's as if he's saying, I'm asking you to love in a way that is much deeper and stronger than the way that the world does so that others will understand and know what this love is and know me through you. You are about 
my business. You are my friend. Just take a moment and receive that this morning. Jesus calls you friend. He doesn't want a servant. He doesn't want a slave. He wants a friend. You've heard that. I mean, of course, the song maybe rings in your head. I, I am a friend of God. And here's how the verse closes in 16 and 17. It says, you did not choose me, but I chose you and appointed you so that you might go and bear fruit, fruit that will last. And so whatever you ask in my name, the father will give you. This is my command. Love each other. So let's just in, in summary real quick. We just got those four words that Jesus tells us to do. Remain, um, remain, ask, keep, and love. And then verses 16 through 17. Now, here are some things that Christ says about us in this text and and things that he says about uh, the others as well. He says, I have chosen you. I have loved you. You will bear much fruit if you remain in me. It says he wants your joy. You can keep clicking through there, Nick. He wants your joy to be complete in the one that we just shared. He has called you friend. Now, let's take a look at a few other things, though. These are all the things that the Lord says about you. And then last, this is the most encouraging part. This is what he does. These are all the things that he takes care of. He is the one that cuts off the branches that do not bear fruit. He is the one who no branch can bear fruit without. And he is the one who has already cleaned you. So what is the one thing... It was the one word that was mentioned 11 times in this text that we must do. Remain. Abide. Stay. Wait. Remain in him. Maybe it's time for you to talk to the Lord again if it's been a while. Maybe it's time. Maybe you've done enough talking. You've done enough praying. Maybe it's time that you listen. Maybe you've done enough talking, done enough praying, and you've heard the Lord. You know what he wants you to do. Maybe it's time in this relationship that you respond. Relationship isn't going to be good if you keep having the same fights over and over again, the same conversations, and you get nowhere. The behavior hasn't changed. It's time you respond. Maybe the relationship, your relationship with the Lord is doing well, but you are asking the Lord for the things or wanting things that you are not receiving. You want some things so bad, and the Lord is about to cut some stuff off and throw it into the fire. And I want you to receive this one today. For those of you that feel like you're, 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 the Lord, you are doing well in your relationship with the Lord, I believe he says this, ask me for something that I want for you. Ask me for something that I want for you. Help me to forgive, Lord. Help me to be more honest. Help me to have more patience, Lord. Help me to to have some compassion. Help me to love this person that I can't stand. Help me to see the things that you're doing in my midst and I'm, I'm having a negative view. And help me to see the life that is taking place right in front of me. Ask me, he says, for something that I want for you. So all of those things, I hope you find yourself in the metaphor. It's time to return, to remain, to make your home in him, to listen, to to communicate, to respond, to ask him for the things that he wants for you. 
Let's pray. Lord, thank you for each and every one that has come this morning. As it is spring and whether the dates are right, we're told we're beginning a new season. And we have this illustration of a vine that is beginning to bear some fruit but needs some work. And that is the story of each and every one in this room. We bear some fruit in our lives. And some are living in condemnation. They don't even want to admit that. That you're doing a work in us. Just because we're staying close to you, we're remaining in a relationship with you, you do some things in us because we're willing to listen, we're willing to receive, we're willing to say yes to the will of the Lord just because we are remaining in you, the living God does a work in us. But also in this metaphor, there's a reminder that there's still work to do. And the call is really simple. You do all the work. You do the cutting, but we must remain in you. We must abide. We must find our home. We must stay. We must wait. And we must make this relationship the most important relationship in our life. Today, as I believe you have spoken to many people in our congregation, may we hear your word. And most importantly today, may we respond to it. In Jesus' name we pray. Amen.